on a Thursday night after the Knicks just uh, got their ass handed to them a little bit on national television, uh, although the final score, 128-100, to was not as bad as it seemed. Uh, as I said in the postgame and as I just wrote in the recap, uh, this was a game that you kind of knew that they were going to lose from eh, maybe two, three minutes in. Yeah. And, yeah, and here to talk about it, of course, as you could tell from that little bit of gravelly voice that you just heard over the over the airwaves uh your favorite my favorite everybody's favorite zach deluzio zach how you doing man john i'm doing well took this loss right in stride like you said i knew this was coming (laughs) yeah no this i mean did you was there a nick fan out there who expected this game to be close let alone them to win it i mean honestly there probably was but uh you know that's not reasonable in any way well i I want whatever drugs with that person's taking. yeah me too (laughs) um let me start with this so my perception of this game is pretty simple that um the knicks the knicks are a team defensively that can stay on the can keep up with certain offenses um but when when they're really engaged and when maybe the other offense isn't on point, but when they play an offense that is kind of firing on all cylinders, and particularly one that's a bad matchup for Cantor, um, this is the type of thing that we should expect to happen. Am I off base with any of that? No, that's I mean that's completely reasonable. It's complete. I completely agree. Uh, I mean, I don't know what there is to really say. The uh, the one thing I will say is, you know, you can, it stands up to your point when they put in Mitchell Robinson and all of a sudden they can kind of defend a little bit more. And and it has uh, – that's not really Cantor's fault. No, it's not because what, what could he possibly – like what is he going to do against this Right. Team? And look, Mitch, it's – what are you going to do with him? He gets in foul trouble constantly. It is what it is. So this whole game to me is exactly that. It is what it is. You know, they played a good game. Uh, they smacked us. They're way better than us. That's just – it's all there is to it sometimes. Yeah, and like I know I know their record is um, – what is it at this point? It's 14-10. and 10. I would not be shocked if you looked up a month from now and they were like – uh, twenty-seven and like twelve. I I could see yeah. them about to really go on a run because, um, as we saw, not only is the starting lineup working a lot better than than when Stevens was trying to get all five of the main guys on the floor at the same time, um, the bench is also like clearly really good. Right, and they they've been on a big tear lately. I think they've been averaging like almost. 125 a game in the last three or four games, something like that. So this is not really an anomaly, even though they really did go ham in garbage time at the end there, which was kind of <laughs> dumb. 
they're just canning all the threes in the world. Like, dude, who cares? That um, hurt. I hate that the final score is one twenty eight two hundred. It's so annoying. The point differential is going to look a lot worse now. <laughs> no, because it's like, you know what this happened with the Golden State game too, and I want to say that there was maybe one other game that this happened with. Like my my big bold prediction before the season was that while the Knicks record would be bad, I thought that their net rating would be like minus. Uh, four, three, yeah. three, four, five, like in that range, and these games like kill you there. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do, man? No, no, there's, <laughs> there's not much. Um, well, let's let's say this. Was there? I want to, <laughs> I want to touch on Frank before we move on to uh, talking about the Knicks offense. But give me one player you liked and one player you did not like from tonight. I really enjoyed watching Emmanuel Moutier, who's been. Kind of just plugging along, yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, and he was a little, you know, there were some moments, a little sloppy at times. Yeah, you know, oh yeah. You get that, but... Um, is That's going to happen. Is he in... I want. I, I almost tweeted it out tonight that he seems like he's almost in command of the offense right now. Is that too far to go? It might be too far uh, to go. It's a, it's a little tough to say. It's so hard to say with the entire offense as a whole because they're so like... Uh, all over the place. One second they'll be doing a really great job, and then it'll all fall apart. So I, I have trouble kind of judging it in that sense. I would tend to agree. He's definitely doing the best job of anyone, that's for sure, yeah, of managing it. He's making the right passes and pick and roll. Um, I mean, not always, and he still has some turnovers here and there that are kind of mind-blowing, but overall, I think he's been, again, he had a pretty good game tonight. It's just, I mean, the Celtics are also one of the top five defenses in the league, so. Yeah, and you look at, he finished, um, you, he finished with 17 points on 15 shots, but the, the key for me is he's been not a great free throw shooter throughout his career. He went five for five from the line tonight, and I thought it was actually pretty telling that, um, they gave him the free throws that I guess anybody on the floor could have had because Hardaway, when he got smacked on the head, yeah, um, I thought that was kind of cool. Right. And he hit, yeah. you know, he hit two or four from deep, and like, you know, that's I, I, I think that's good. Um, yeah, it's it exactly. He's he's doing better than we all expected. He continues to do it. I'm waiting for the drop off. I know everyone is to some degree. Like they, this can't keep happening, right? And it keeps happening. So I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, uh, and I, I if you're a Knicks fan, it's like, you know, loathing yourself for feeling like good when you watch him play well. Just enjoy it. Like, <laughs> you have an organization that has not been able to get out of its way for a very long time that has resurrected a player's career. Any way you cut it, that's not a bad thing. What, yeah, I, I always found it baffling that we as Knicks fans who rarely get to see wins will complain about a win. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, just just enjoy the win. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's just enjoy the win. Well said. Um, also, shout out to Noah Vonley, who just continues yep. to plug away. and, and Yeah, and he's great. It. He's so damn good. He's so great. Um, okay, so this, I mean, the other the other side of the coin, name someone you didn't like tonight. Uh, I, well, take a guess, John. Oh, God, let me see. <laughs> let me look up the old... Oh, wait a minute. Is it... Who is this guy that played 18 minutes he shot one of four from the field two turnovers and two fouls is that what's matt m hizonia m hizonia yeah. yeah. oh this guy man this guy 
<laughs> I'm so sick of it. <laughs> I can't do anything but laugh. <laughs> like, it's just, just, I don't, I can't. I already said it before. I'm not going to go on this rant again. I'm no, just letting it go by. I know. I know. I, I know you. We, we both feel the same way about this. <laughs> Come I on. Just, I, I just don't, like, so the the knocks for Hazonia switch, that that's coming. I mean, I think if you put the over-under at Christmas, uh, you know, it's probably yeah. the, the right place to set it. Um, at that point, though, what... I mean, you know me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm all in my feelings. I'm all about the locker room, worrying about culture and all that crap. If you then at that point basically glue him to the bench and he's a player that will see DMPs, does that, like, I don't know. Should I be worried about that? Like, you know, he's been bad. He's been yeah, bad. I, I wouldn't be. And here's the thing with the whole, whole Hazonia thing. Um, my guy Ashwin who some of you guys have seen on Twitter probably, uh, Schwinnie Poo. Schwinnie Poo, baby. Yep, he had a great theory uh, a couple weeks ago, long before this long stretch, but he was pointing out that he thinks, well, because Scott Perry drafted his own year in Orlando. Yeah. He brought him in. So what he thinks is that there was some promise made to him and his agent. That which, we're by the way, we should chance. say is C- he, he has CAA as his agent, which has, I mean – not like half the NBA, but has a lot of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, right. So it could be very well a political thing. And, I mean, how many games has it been at this point? I I feel like it's been forever, but it also might just be like six games. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, look, Fizz claims that he has full autonomy um, to do whatever he wants. And I think, you know, say... We'll mention Frank quickly, but you know Scott Perry or Scott Perry did not draft Frank Milikina. Steve Mills did draft Frank Milikina. Um, I am sure that there. I don't have any inside information. I'm sure there is a part of Steve Mills that doesn't love seeing Frank on the bench, but they've empowered Fizz and they're in communication with Fizz, and I'm sure they believe in Fizz. So I think he could do it. Um, it's the right thing to do. It's just, yeah. I, I don't know how much long longer we can. It's yeah. It, it's not that he's like terrible, but it's the same shit. Every yeah, day. and honestly, it, it's just it's in the little things. So there, yeah. there's yeah. one possession. I'm not going to go too much into. No, this, give but us there's one, one possession. possession tonight where uh, Hardaway was up on the opposite side of his own yeah. For whatever reason, he was kind of getting trapped and. You could see it coming, and Hazonia was at the top of the key on the other side and was in the natural position to flash to the ball and be the release valve for that trap. Yep. And he's just standing there yeah. for like a second, two seconds, and Hardaway's like, well, can you come over here, please? And he finally flashes to the ball, and when he does, he throws the ball right to Jason Tatum, and they get a live ball turnover. Yep. And that was like the pinnacle of everything. I was like, I, I just can't do this with this guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it, you're not seeing any improvement. Um, right. All right. So uh, before we we move on to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about the Knicks offense that they've been running because I know people are wondering about that, and you had um, a fantastic piece on it that came out today. Uh, this is Frank's third straight uh, DMP. Um, let's just. What's your guess? What's what's going to happen? How does this? How does this end? I don't know. Right, how many did Dotson get? Did he get three also? Dotson got four. 
Burke, four? Burke, I believe, got four as well. Okay. So I'm going to give it a couple more, but I will be very clear that my patience is getting a little thin with this. Uh, I'm not happy with it. Um, I'm going to give them the chance, though. I'll give them. They've earned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... What, what do you think? <sighs> Look, I. it's tough because... As fans, it's it's in our nature to to be reactionary, and it's so easy to gloss over all the good stuff when there's something bad going on that really gets you. But yeah. I can't, in good conscience, look at everything that Fisdale has done, like as we've talked about, getting Mitchell Robinson Robinson to a place where he can play in an NBA game let alone be yeah. a good player or a decent player in an NBA game. Um, getting Knox kind of acclimated uh, after the injury. Getting, I mean, turning Emmanuel Moutier into a guy that we are having conversations about. Right. Will a team give up, you know, an asset to get Any, him? Anything. You know, it's. I mean, even getting Cantor to defend credibly on some nights. I mean, he has done, and, and forget about Vonley, he has done... Yeoman's work with this roster thus far. I I can't in good conscience then turn around and be like, uh, he sucks because of what I perceive to be what might be going on with this one player. Right. Um that being said, I will I will say this. If they trade him without giving him another look, like another real look, like an mm-hmm. honest look, another chance to just be like to show everybody that he can play this style of offense that Fizz clearly you know wants to play like this aggressive attacking offense I would be heartbroken and I would be pissed off. Yep. Um right there with you. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I think he'll I I think it and I think it's going to turn around with like a blowout that's like more of a blowout than this, like a blowout where the game is like there's a game that's like out of control in the third quarter. And he puts them in, and, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so your piece today. You came out with a piece talking about um, the Knicks offense. Why don't you, you know, give us the, the gist of it? So my idea was I had noticed that people were complaining earlier in the season, and I had noticed this myself, that the actions they were running were pretty simple, pretty repetitive, uh, and as they kept going, they kept debuting more and more stuff. And I found that really interesting. Uh, so that's basically what I attacked in the article. It was a little, you know, overgeneralizing, which is why it's going to be better to actually talk about it. Uh, because I really only took a look at a couple of different plays to show the general idea rather than really breaking it down. But, for example, tonight, uh, we were discussing this, I think, on Twitter they ran, or maybe it was Jeff. I don't remember. They were. They ran another play tonight that we had not seen before, or at least I didn't see it. Maybe they ran in garbage time when these games when I turned it off. But that lob to Mitchell Robinson from Emmanuel Mudiay. Yes, I was, saw you commented on that. Yeah, that was a new play as far as I could tell. So they continue. They started simple, and they're building it up, and they they're doing it within a general. Uh, what's the word here? Not like. Like I guess, like a theology—that's the wrong word. A general mindset. No, I, mean, I I agree with you. I think mindset, theology. I think those are both fine. Um, yeah. What, 
they're they're trying to play kind of a flow offense. Yes, uh, and, it's not really working too well at times, but that's what they're trying to do. Well, I hold on. I wouldn't I wouldn't go quite that far because so Emmanuel Mudiay, um, this was his twelfth start um, at point guard, and is it fair to say that with him running the offense, they have been able to kind of do more of what Fizz seems to want to do? Yes, absolutely. Because at the beginning, what what he really wants, I'm not sure if he said this out loud, but this is what I'm gathering from the way he's playing guys, the way he's running these sets, everything like that. He wants multiple ball handlers, multiple guys that can come off a screen and shoot the ball or get in the lane and make the necessary pass, so on and so forth. Yes. So when you have Moutier and Hardaway on the floor at the same time, that's really opening it up. It's not before that Hardaway was kind of stuck on his own. Yes, and Moutier can really help him out by getting in the lane, kind of creating offense for other people and himself to take the load off of him a little bit. So um, since Moutier took over the starting point guard duties, uh, the Knicks are fifteenth in the league in offensive rating. Uh, they're huh. scoring one hundred eight point eight points uh, per hundred possessions. You know, wow. it's the definition of league average. They That's are, good considering the personnel that they're working with. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting that the so the the three teams right ahead of them, the Mavs, the Thunder, and the Timberwolves, over that stretch of time, uh, a dozen games, are all they're all nine and three over those twelve games. The Knicks are four and eight, and obviously mm-hmm. the, the reason is because of the defense. Right. The Knicks uh, over that stretch are. Twenty uh, eighth in the league in defense, giving up one fifteen point four. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, Jeez. and but they are they are uh, almost four points better than your San Antonio Spurs, who have been wow yeah, four points, who have been last in the league in oh defense. Oh my god! Over the last dozen uh, over the last dozen games, yeah, they're giving up almost one hundred twenty per per <gasps> hundred. I know. <laughs> I know. I realized it was that bad. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it, it's bad. Anyway, back to the Knicks. So your the the play that you basically detailed that was that is serving as the foundation of this offense, so to speak, is essentially a play where two two guys and it's usually two bigs, I feel like, or at least one big set. Yep. It's like it's almost like they. So there's a, a ball handler in the corner. The ball handler will will get the ball as he's coming out of the corner, and there will be two screens set for him as he's kind of navigating around the top of the three point arc. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So the the that's what happens a lot of the time. There's several reads out of it, uh, which is the thing I think it's lost in discussing this is that this is not a play that's just drawn up for Tim Hardaway uh, because that's usually who they run it for, right? They have Tim in the corner. They have him run up to the uh, elbow at the arc off of the two screens. He gets the ball and he can attack the rim or take the jumper. He can read the defense, so on and so forth. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the best way to defend that, because it's a pretty effective play, right? Tim, is not a great ball handler for all his other strengths. That's definitely his biggest weakness on offense. Very true. So you're you're taking away the – he doesn't have to dribble 
as much when he's coming off those screens. He can just make the read without the ball and then get the ball when he's ready, right? So you can take one or two dribbles and get to a spot or just pull up right away or something like that, right? So you're putting your guy in a position to succeed. But what defenses will do to take that away is sit on top of him. So instead of playing underneath between him and the basket like you normally would, they'll get on top and force him away from the screen. So they'll put their body between him and the screener and say, hey, you're not going to the screen. You're cutting baseline. And when he cuts baseline, then the, the first screener of those two will then come around the other screener at, in a secondary action, and so on and so forth. So it can unfold in a bunch of different ways. And actually, the Celtics ran it tonight and got a bucket for Kyrie Irving. Other teams run this all the time. People are criticizing it as being too simple, but no, but it's, so it's, many teams running it. It's standard. I mean, I feel like right. it's something that, that we see a lot. I mean, look. The Knicks, they have the one. One thing they do have is two guys in the starting lineup that could set pretty good screens. Vonley is a monster yeah, screener. He is. Cantor, when he is trying his hardest, um, <laughs> <laughs> would you say he's an adequate screener? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he has his moments. Yeah, no, he does. So you know what? They're taking advantage of of that of that situation. And listen, Fizz has said this, and I. Could not agree more. Development is not only about how you improve the young players on your roster. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., for his career before this season, um, the most free throw attempts that he had shot per game was 3.1, and that was last year. This season so far, he's averaging six a game. Um, He is also averaging a career-high 36% from three, on a career high, eight point two attempts per game. Yeah, he does not get easy shots. Yeah, he but does not you, get easy shots. Like you might, you might be listening and be like, thirty six percent from three. That's that sucks. Well, guess what? If you're firing eight threes a game and you're hitting thirty six percent of them, that's like, that's not bad. That's no, that's honestly, I think that's great because he, no one else is taking those shots. You know what I mean? And thirty five percent, that's equivalent to shooting over fifty percent from two. I think the borderline is like 34%. Yeah, um, it, exactly. The, actually, three-point percentages, oddly enough, this year have been down league-wide, at least so far. Uh, last year, I think the average three-point percentage got up to 30, just above 36%. Last time I checked a few days ago, it was about 33, 34, something like that. Right, and that's um, exactly that idea. If you're hitting above 34%, yeah. you should be taking more. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so... This action that that Hardaway gets this, the ball in a lot, it, it, you know, it's clearly paying some dividends for him. Um, and then the other thing you talked about was the Spain pick and roll. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way we could explain that. I, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, how do I attack this? Right um, now? <laughs> so let's let's go with this. There's a there's a screen um, at the top of the key. Would you say? Yeah, it's uh, a standard pick and roll, I guess. Yeah, standard pick and roll, top of the key. And then as the ball handler is coming down the lane, what happens in the paint? So there will generally, usually it's a guard. They've been using Trey Burke to do this a lot, but sometimes they'll use Moutier as well. So just the kind of the way the spacing works and the way the handoff and everything happens, it's usually the one. The one is kind of in the dunker spot, which is how you can kind of see that they're running this play before they do it. If you're watching the one and you see him there, you're like, why? What is he doing there? He'll come up and set a back screen on the defender who is 
marking the screener on the high pick and roll. So what that means is normally that defender would be helping to try to contain the ball handler. But when that back screen comes, he's going to try to help and he's going to be pinned there. So a lot of times you just get straight up dunk or a layup. It's yeah. super effective. And and the other thing I want to point out here is like, so I, I feel like one complaint that I've heard from fans a lot on Twitter is that they feel like New York's young players uh, sometimes are just standing around the three-point arc. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, 2018 and moving forward, it's and it's been this way for a few years. And Zach, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here. This is a drive-in kick league. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it it's it's how efficiently can you break down the defense, sending someone towards the basket, and then because the more efficiently you break down a defense at that point, it just then when you kick it out, it gives that person catching the ball either they're going to have space to shoot it um or they're going to have an an opportunity to potentially drive themselves and then you know as we saw several times tonight with the celtics especially it's just it leads to more and more open looks yeah so it's just a snowball yeah um so it's like yes are there times where the guy out in the three-point line won't end up getting the ball sure but it's it's that's how those players are going to wind up becoming successful offensive players, I feel like, in the long run. Yeah, and I agree with you, and this is actually – I'm going to try to keep this short because I've been thinking about this a lot lately uh, because a lot of the complaints I see are that, okay, we've got a primary action, fine, but what's going on on the weak side? Why, why isn't someone setting a pin down for someone else while they're just – instead they're just standing there doing nothing, right? And while to some degree – I agree with it a little bit. There's a point where it be, it can become a negative if they're doing some sort of off-ball action because, let's say, uh, Moutier gets in the paint, right, and the defense collapses on him. He's getting ready to kick it out to the weak side shooter in the corner, but that yep. guy's running up on a screen, and those two guys, the, the screener and the corner shooter who is now moving out of the corner for that pin down are now in the same spot, clustered up, with their defenders right next to them. You can't throw the ball there. That's not good spacing. So that you actually backfire by running that action on the weak side if the opportunity, if the help comes off them. And and the, I think the last point that we should make here, and it's really the most important one, and I, you know, I've said this a couple times this year, it, like that, that weak side act, like yes, there are teams obviously in the league that run a lot of weak side action, and I feel like those are the more sophisticated offenses that have right. veteran players. Yes. Where, you know, it's like... Exactly. The best example we've ever seen of this is like the Spurs, you know, beautiful game that they played uh, in the second finals uh, against the Miami Heat, where it just looked like the best offense that you'd ever see. Well, guess what? Those were... That was, you know, a dozen years worth of Tony Parker and Manny Joe. Right. And it's like... Right. Yeah. You're, you get to do that when you have those caliber of players. Right, exactly. You, and, and you don't get not... to do that when you have Mitchell Robinson yeah. and, oh and, <laughs> and, and other assorted children oh, playing. Yeah. Oh, uh, come on. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. That's not to say there isn't a place for weak side action because it does occupy those help defenders. So sure. It's definitely something that should happen. But it's definitely not as much as people think. It should not be all the time by default. Yes. Um, you 
you want to get these kids on the floor and the the offense that they're running right now um does that and and listen the the goal is to get players that will stay here for a period of time and they grow into veterans and then sure you get into hopefully more advanced stuff and then might there be questions down the road about whether Fisdale is the the coach that can execute a more sophisticated offense I, you know probably but I, I don't think we're there yet. No, definitely not. And and that was the whole point, really. You summed it up pretty well. It, right now, they're building the basics of the offense. They've already got those. I'm not going to say mastered because they're, again, too young. It's it's just not going to happen in one year. It's never going to happen like that. But they're making progress. And they're making enough progress for the coaching staff to start implementing some more complicated stuff. And you're seeing it every night, and it's interesting to watch. And, you know, they're they're doing pretty well, all things considered. If, if you had told someone that they would have an average offense with Emmanuel Moutier starting at the beginning of the year, they would call you like they, <laughs> no one would believe that. It's just, you know, no. we got to take a step back a little bit sometimes. And, and just the last thing I'll, I'll throw in before we sign off is one, the great equalizer in this league is shooting. And if you have shooting, oh, yeah. um, you can, you know, and people act like, oh, you have to game plan to to make it easier on your shooters so they could hit more like no like you just at some point you need guys who are able to knock down shots and the yes. Knicks don't have enough of those guys on the year they are 26th in true shooting percentage like Oof. the the fact that they have been able to run a functional offense with guys like Mario Hazonia shooting 26% oh my god <laughs> from from deep uh <laughs> I can't. I can't even believe that's a real number. God, I'm pretty sure Emmanuel Mudiay shot better than that in his rookie year. Uh, it's it's God. It's so bad. It's so bad. Huh. Noah Noah Vonleh is their best three point shooter. It's insane. Yeah, that is insane. Uh, okay, um, Zach, um, we we already plugged your piece again. If you're listening to this and you have not checked out the piece that that Zach uh, had come out today for posting and toasting, please go check that out. Um, you could find him at what's your Twitter handle again? I'm referring to uh, ZJ Deluzio. Go follow him. I I saw how many Twitter followers you had. Like that's a crime that you have like less Twitter followers than me. Not the oh, Twitter. No, listen. Not the Twitter followers or everything, but like you educate fans on the game more than I ever could. So well, I I do appreciate that, but I will say honestly, I I was at. For a long time, I had nothing, right? And I got up to about 800, 900. That seemed like the prime amount. And now that it's getting more, I'm getting a lot of trolls and stuff. <laughs> so uh, it's a blessing yeah. and a curse. I'm happy to provide, you know, my thoughts to everyone. And I appreciate you saying that. But, you know, I'm good. So follow right. me or don't. Don't care either way. No, follow him. That's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, very last thing uh, before we, we sign off. I'm just checking the old the old Twitter app. And uh, JB, my partner in crime, just put out something that I guess uh, Steve Popper uh, said. Uh, David Fisdale, in speaking to reporters post-game about Frank Nilakina, said he probably should have played him, adding, I can always look at him. It ain't like he's out, though. Again, it's going to be a long season. Frank will be getting his opportunities again. So, mm. it's, yeah... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at least he said he probably should have played him. That's something. I did, you know what? My favorite thing about Fizz, I love that he 
is not afraid to call himself out. Um, yeah. And I know that, you know, some people are, you know, add, add that to his, like, used car salesman-esque vibe that they get from him sometimes. I, to me, I, I, I'm i bought in. I'm, I'm, me I'm too. All, I'm all fizz, so um, I like hearing that. Okay, Zach, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This was awesome. Of course, Sean. Thank you. Um, if the Knicks uh, play defense at any point this year, we will have you on again to talk about the defense that they play. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, we'll get you got. Uh, I think we have you lined up for another post game next week, so I'm already looking forward to that. Um, and you out there, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, this was a fun one, despite the fact that they lost by 28. Uh, we will talk to you again soon. Enjoy your weekend, and thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Video.